This is Sports Content Kings, talking to today's brightest minds in sports and entertainment. Welcome to Sports Content Kings, brought to you by WSC Sports, the podcast dedicated to today's brightest minds in sports, figuring out the latest trends and technologies shaping the industry. I'm Aviv, one of the founders of WSC Sports and Chief Business Development Officer. Happy to be here together with my brother. I'm Shaka, VP Business Development at WSC Sports, and we are the Arnone Brothers. And today we are joined by Adam Kelly. He's the president of IMG's media division. This has been an inspiring and great conversation. We thank Adam for coming and joining us, and we hope you all enjoy. Hello, Aviv. How's it going? Great. Been a while since we recorded this, huh? Yeah, been a while. How are you? Doing well. Wrapping up a crazy year, and uh, it's going to be even crazier as things uh, progress. Aviv, I'm excited to uh, introduce our guest, Adam Kelly, president of IMG's media division. How are you, Adam? I'm very well, thanks. Good to join you guys. I'm a big fan of WSC, a big fan of certainly Aviv and, you know, Shaka, you're no, you're no second course yourself. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Adam, today. It's uh, been uh, long overdue. wanted to do this. I think uh, we can start the way we usually start, by letting you introduce yourself a little bit, your experience in the industry, and, uh, and tell us about yourself in a few sentences. Yeah. I've, I've been at IMG over 23 years. Before, I did nothing. Before I was a student, I, um, I w- came pretty much straight out of my law degree. Pretty early on in that process, I realized I did not want to be a lawyer and took a year traveling the world, thinking about life, thinking about the future. And in a way, good fortune, circumstance brought me to IMG and I've, I've been here ever since. My kind of early experience and what, what serendipity led me to IMG was the fact I love sport. I grew up in Wimbledon, literally a stone's throw from the championships. I've, I've been a tennis fan probably since, since I could walk and talk. Started playing at four years old. Now, now, now I'm there every year, every single day of every part of the tournament and love the club, work really closely with them. It's, it's an interesting kind of journey that has taken me from Wimbledon as a child all the way around to, to working there constantly. Not a bad arrangement. Not a bad arrangement. That, that fandom really has driven everything, and, and it it's forms a big part of my career, my personality, my life, and, and I'm privileged to be able to have been on that pathway where I truly love what I do. So my interest and passion in my life is also my passion in my, in my work, and there's, you know, there's a, a nice blend all the way through. So that's my early interest in sport, my experience in sport, and a big part of, of my life and my career. So it's, it's, yeah, it's an incredible, an incredible story. That's great. And Aviv, I think you'll agree that we have a common thread here across our guests in this podcast. The people who reach the le- leadership positions in the industry are, are avid fans. And it's, it's, the best, it's the best thing, right? You, you do what you love. You, you do it for yourself as a fan. And that's why what you're doing resonates. And I, I was supposed to be also, uh, I'm an electrical engineer, but uh, coming into and doing, doing this today, it's a luxury. We're in an industry 
that we could have only hoped and dreamed to uh, to work in. So that's that's awesome. And Adam, so 23 years at IMG, can you take us through, like, what did you start as? Like, what was the first job there? So I started as an intern. And that meant at the time that the role was in the research division. And the group of, of uh, also similar interns, all junior, all straight out of college, out of university, were all calculating the value of brands within sports content. And what that meant in reality is there are about 20 folks with stopwatches counting and calculating the number of seconds that a brand would be on screen, primarily for the weekend's European tour golf coverage. So counting the seconds of exposure. And there was one person who had to negotiate and exchange information with one of the media agencies to gather the 30-second spot rates from all the broadcasters that were broadcasting that golf coverage. And there was this nonsense calculation that would be, if you've got 30 seconds of the Nikon or Canon brand in the background of a golf tournament, that's the equivalent of a 30-second spot for an ad that you'd buy on those networks. I think they still do that calculation today. But in effect, I was from that very early stage understanding that there is a conversion of value from what you see on the screen to what a brand would invest in order to get into golf and to get equivalency with the eyeballs that that golf coverage was reaching. So even back then, it was a really important lesson. The majority of, of people were just bored out of their brains with the stopwatches. But I was the guy who was communicating with the media agency and starting to build a really early understanding of how to create value. And that led, like, can you rush us through then 20 years? Like what's, because it's been... That's what I still do today. Oh, okay. Makes sense. If only. That would be quite an easy life. No, the, so the, the progress from there was a position that was created. Th this was 2000, 2001. And at the time, there was a, a challenging moment in, in the US economy. The company at IMG was going through a difficult a difficult patch and they had a reduction in force for some of the team in New York, about three or four heads were reduced and they added one head, one new position to this team in London that was essentially a business affairs role. So it was a, it was a little bit of admin, it was a little bit of finance and, and it was certain uh, legal work, basic legal work. And I applied and, and got that position, but there was a, there was a, hiring freeze and a salary freeze across the rest of the organization. So I was really lucky to pick up that, that role. And from there, one of the important lessons I learned, which was, which was really critical to everything I've done since in a strange way, was that I started changing how things were done. So there were some basic processes that, that were not particularly effective, that were cumbersome and admin heavy, and I kept improving these small things and it and it taught me even within a massive organization me the most junior person in the whole company was actually able to do things differently and challenge the status quo and as a result i just learned that i could be creative and curious and improve things at, at any level and i've i've continued that through my career so it was a it was an interesting role the the other snapshot from back then um i managed to get myself noticed by the CFO because I kind of relentlessly chased down. Um, I remember it was, it was Nova Sport in, in Greece who 
kept making this deduction for withholding tax against invoices that we issued for the Premier League technical delivery. And it, it racked up about, I don't know, about $80,000. And they, they just kept, those were really old invoices and they kept um, denying to pay it. And they said, sorry, it's, you know, it's down to tax. I went off my own initiative to the tax authority in the UK, got an expert to write me a, a two-page document as to why that tax, withholding tax did not apply to these invoices and that they should pay us in full, presented it to the person at Nova Sport. They paid the invoices and the CFO took me out for lunch and said, thank you. You know, this is great initiative. You know, this is otherwise just never going to be paid. You've done this off, off your own off your, your own spirit. And it was only a couple of months later that my then boss handed in her notice for like the 15th time. And the CFO eventually said yes. And he said yes, because he thought I could take the job. And that all stemmed from this little piece of, of my own work, my own mini project. And you know, when I talk to the interns or, or new joiners at the company, I, I always share that story. Because I didn't, I didn't do that work because somebody told me to do it. I didn't do it because I thought that's going to get me noticed or that's going to get me promoted. But when junior people think, how do you get ahead? It can be small things like this example that can actually get you on someone's radar and help you in your career. So an organization has its, its legacy processes and things that this is just the way it is. And I think your story says, okay, sometimes when it doesn't make sense, just challenge it and make something happen with an initiative. You're going to the tax expert. It's not a hard thing to do. It's just a, a hard mental step to go and challenge the way things are done. And that, I think, is, a, is a, as you describe, a key moment in your career in uh, standing you out from the crowd and showing that, that you have that tenacity to do those things. So I think uh, it's a great story. Thanks, Shaka. The, the thing that it's allowed me to do is to, is to apply that throughout the, the company, throughout my teams, and now throughout the, the organization when people talk about how to show initiative, how to encourage dissension and, and differences of opinion, how to, how to put forward a contrary view. And for me, that, that is part and parcel of challenging the status quo. If anybody ever tells me or if I hear anybody saying, but it's always been done that way, or this is the way we do things around here, I, I, that, that drives me crazy. And and I always insist that people challenge those opinions because that's how you have a, a really vibrant culture that allows people to, to build, allows people to fail, allows people to test. And, and I think ultimately creates an environment where people want to thrive and want to build business. And that's, I think, the thing that's most special about IMG and the culture that we have here is that you can be an entrepreneur, you can develop things, and you can create you know, what would be your own business, but with the support of this enormous engine behind it. And I know we've, we've talked about some projects over the years, some of which have paid off, some of which are yet to pay off. Not haven't paid off, but haven't, haven't worked yet. I know. I was thinking if we're going to get to that or not. But what you're describing is very much like an entrepreneur's challenge, right? Starting a company and challenging the way things are done in the industry, but you're basically you're not a startup you're, uh, anymore. Like, I mean, you're working as you're, the culture that you're nurturing is, is that of an innovative startup, but it's hard to do in an already established and so, so uh, deeply entrenched 
business in the industry that already has a lot to lose also as a as on already a big business right how do you reconcile that i think i look at our business as the the biggest most successful startup within the sports industry and we we especially in 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 what we do you know there's this relentless pursuit of of improvement of ultimately excellence but i think that that's used off too often as a throwaway you know to get to excellence is is a really really high bar but how do we just continue to make things that little bit better every single day that that's something i promised in in one of my roles about 15 years ago that i would make our sales team just that bit better every every single time we're able and i think that mindset it's really part and parcel of sport how do you become the best tennis player in the world the best golfer you you've got to improve these small increments it's it's everything about You know, Dave Brailsford was talking about marginal gains in his success for the cycling team. That success at the margin is inherent in sport, and that's what we do at IMG. How do we continue to make things that bit better for, for our partners, for our clients, for the rights holders, the clubs, the teams, federations that we work with? And, and that's, that kind of mindset, I think, is a core part of our success. So I, I think it's a good segue to talk about the business of IMG itself. So basically the way I see it, correct me uh, if I'm wrong, and I think you're overseeing all of this, you're now touching everything, everything in the sports business. So I'm like hospitality, production, and media rights. You, you have your own partnerships with, with the leagues and the properties themselves. Consultancy, JVs, yeah. Yeah, you, you have like a... digital arm that does all the what used to be seven league and now in uh, the rebrand all the digital uh, advisory and and uh, and work that you do with everybody and some cases I think you also have or had your own your own channels and thinking even about some cases direct to consumer plan so it's it's everything right and this is like all different businesses you're basically running all of those right now like can you talk about that a bit and, and maybe if I, just to add to the question you We're seeing IMG dominant everywhere, and maybe you can help us in your own words to outline the strategy as you see it, the bigger picture, because we, we see the, the details, and again, the IMG is everywhere. What, what's the zoomed out view that you, that you want to bring? We definitely don't use the D word in, in terms of our, our position. We're, you know, we're, we're an important part of the industry, but we're also, we're very much behind the scenes. We talk about our real vision being power the world's passion for sport. That's how we see our business. That is us really driving in and being this, this engine behind the scenes in order to ensure the industry as a whole continues to build, continues to thrive. And how things have shifted, how I see our, our positioning in, in a number of ways. I'll look at a few different aspects, but The structure of the business as it is today is how can we have as much effect and support for our partners and the rights holders in the industry in order to allow them to thrive, to grow and to build? Historically, our industry used to be very much focused on how do we just drive financial outcomes? How do we transact better? So there was a period where that was our focus, and we were incredibly good at it. We were still beating the competition, doing better than our competitors, and allowing our partners to grow. But very much in a narrow focus, how can we sell your rights better? How can we produce 
your content well and, and how can we effectively deliver that material. Whereas today we look, if you are a rights holder in sport, what are the key capabilities and services that you need in order to, to maximize your impact? And with that lens, you understand that the currency is not dollars and cents and shekels and euros and hay ice and you know, everything else in the, in the world. It is how can we connect with fans? How can we build audiences? And how can we win in this increasingly complex and challenging battle for attention? What is the real driver? You take a whole load of fans connecting and watching the, the Rugby World Cup to these enormous, predictable peak audiences. And how do you convert that attention into earnings? And how do you capture that? And how do you ensure that your business is set up in order to maximize those returns? So as a result of a kind of four-year transformation project, we're now talking about our business in terms of core functions and capabilities. So looking through the, the lens of that perspective, how do we manage rights most effectively? That really drives the biggest outcome. So how do you ensure that those rights and the IP is delivered as effectively as possible to as many fans as we can muster? How do we ensure through our studios team that the content itself is produced to the highest specification and again, is not simply in this sort of old school mindset, you know, tell me Sport X, what would you like to have produced for you and respond to a sort of menu and, a, and an RFP where they say, we, we'd like to have live sport covered by five cameras. No, we're, we're now able to say, particularly as Barney Francis has joined through his 20 years of experience at Sky Sports, this is how you need to produce sports content in order to deliver the biggest possible impact on your fans. This is how content drives audience growth. This is how you reach new fans. This is how in managing to attract a new audience member, we're going to convert them into becoming a long-term fan. So a very different lens on how we look at content itself. How do we use distribution, better content production to form new ways of partnering with brands? So not just the same Canon Nikon logo on a board in the background of the European Tour Golf event, because frankly speaking, I challenge whether that is really driving value. How can you create branded content that aligns the values of the company with the values of the sport and the values of the fans that are consuming that sport? And how do we pioneer and innovate all sorts of new ways of creating that value? How do you use the former seven league team, IMG's digital capability now to prove this value through all the metrics and all the mechanisms that we know um, we can achieve through data gathering, through use of correct platforms, use of incredible technology like WSC? How do you, you know, use Everything that is out there, again, to the maximum impact. How do you use strategy in our consultancy services? How do you use data and betting through IMG Arena? How, in some cases, like we have with Sport24, deliver sports content to airlines on a live basis that nobody else has managed to achieve? So all of these aspects, as well as how do we create events? How do we license IP? for merchandising purposes, 
how do we maximize ticketing and hospitality through our on-location business? So you look now at the, the entire value proposition for a sport, for a governing body, for a club at any level, a team, a league, a federation, and ensure that the value is truly maximized. So it's a very different, much more holistic solution than we've ever considered before. And, and that's where we are today. And that's why we talk about our ability to power the world's passion for sport coming, coming kind of full circle. Multiple or endless uh, touch points with a fan, or they used to be, uh, I'll say, rather passive on, on the living room couch. And, you know, the, they were buying tickets and merchandise, but now the touch points, because you're competing for the attention everywhere and people are carrying the ability to connect with their sport at 24-7, at least when they're awake. But now it's a, it's a bigger challenge and maybe a bigger opportunity to have those multiple touch points all the time to keep that flywheel, fan flywheel, as, as uh, they want to know more, as they want to see what's happening on the court, outside of the court, locker room, training sessions, transition, uh, uh, you know, players are switching teams, et cetera. And as you said, the, the events around it and the, the entire thing has become a much bigger staging ground, not just the arena and, and uh, the stadium or whatever it may be. Adam, I think always when you describe like all the challenges and things that you're doing, like the, even the, the terminology and things that you're doing, we are partners, we do a lot together, but like there's so much in common with the goals we put in front of ourselves uh, and what WC does in, in, in the world of sports. And a couple months ago, you had your uh, first IMG Summit, which was an incredible event for me. And like just to get all the, your partners and all the biggest media executives in the industry together. And for me, like we, we also met almost everybody that we work with over there, but in, in a different and incredible setting and just coming together to, to think and strategize on about what's what's the future there and also like came together also with your rebranding and everything trying to i, I think it it very much resonates with what you're saying about how IMG sees the the industry so i'm saying two things here right first like we must do more more together that's one the second is a uh, is like I want to ask you about this uh, this event, and I know it's a it's been a dream of yours for for a while. So, what did you expect to gain from it? How was it? And give us a little bit your your view of the IMG Summit. Yeah. So for for me, change is really hard, right? And I think everybody accepts that if you if you've helped to grow a business, change a business, change even one person's opinion in the world, it's not easy to do. And and I think there there is a a real need in our industry to look to the future. My view is a very bullish, very positive one, because I, I think the opportunities and upside for sport are enormous. As, as the rest of the world continues to get increasingly nuts, increasingly complicated, increasingly challenging, and I think in the media world, increasingly saturated with content, you know, whether that's the huge volume of user-generated content that's uploaded to YouTube or the enormous amount of material that, that is currently being created by generative AI. And, and we all know that's going to increase exponentially. At some point in the future, 10, 20, 30 years down the road, there is going to be infinite content, infinite. You think about it and you understand technology, that, that's inevitable. So in a world of infinite content, what is the most valuable asset? That is something that is 
inherently and naturally scarce. And for me, that is sport. So if you go into that far future where sport becomes increasingly valuable because of the limitations that everybody is prepared to put on sport, limited number of teams, limited number of athletes at that premium level, et cetera, et cetera, then, then you answer a question which is really important, which is what do we need to do to make sure this hugely scarce, hugely valuable asset in the future is built and ready for tomorrow and ready for that future? And that, and that takes a lot of energy and a lot of work in order to get right. So the challenge for us today is what do we need to put in place today to allow us to access that future tomorrow? And for me, a big part of the kind of genesis of, of the IMG Summit was challenge industry leaders to really acknowledge that and to think along those lines. And the vision that I had a number of years ago was getting people together at a place that is inspiring in a format and within an environment that allows people to think differently, to get the brain cells firing in a slightly different way by challenging their thinking with some incredible expert speakers in a range of different topics, to be you know, entertained and relaxed by some of the best musicians and experts with the masterclasses that we held all connected to Endeavor and, and the incredible business that we run here at the company and therefore create some magic. And, you know, I had a, I had a vision which was pretty high in its level of expectations and, and we far, far exceeded them. So, you know, I've got the support to do that every year from now on. I think it's going to become hopefully a, a must invite and a must acquire ticket and that we continue to improve it every year. And, and you know, who knows where it, where it leads, but it was never about IMG at one point we weren't we weren't even going to use the branding, but it was thought it would be uh, it would be silly not to include um, the IMG with the legacy. And I spent a fair bit of time pointing back to Mark McCormack, who I met when I was an intern, and the inspiration that he's given to me, the business, and the wider industry. So, you know, we we chose to call it the IMG Summit, and I think it's going to endure long into the future. I was really proud of it, to be honest with you, Jack. Um, and you did have a rebrand launched in that summit, right? Uh, can you describe what you wanted to achieve with a rebrand? What were the main things? Maybe you uh, outlined it in the, in the last five minutes, but what were the most important things if you, if you really want to pin them for us? It's very little about the logo, although I, I do love the logo. It was really about re-articulating the message that we are looking at this from a different perspective now, that the, the old business that we were known for was not the business that we are today, that the, the messaging and our position you know, needed to be reframed and re-examined. As a business, we refer to ourselves as IMG Media, but we, in the incredible brand discovery work that we did, realized that there were 43 sub-brands of IMG with everybody referring to IMG Replay or IMG Arena, IMG production, studios, technical, a long, long list of, of different names. And the brand was diluted. But actually, in cleaning up and repurposing the message and, and putting IMG paramount in our communication, we were able to not just clean up, but reposition the brand for the future whilst going back to the very beginning, the origins of, 
of McCormack, his pioneering spirit, his ability to innovate and build value for rights holders. You know, he is credited with inventing sports marketing. And that's really at the core when you look at how we are marketing sports, not marketing brands into sport, but marketing sports themselves. That goes to the very core of really what we're aiming to achieve here. So it was a conscious repositioning back to the the core brand of IMG and, and everything that that means and making sure we're communicating that in a in a much more active, much more disciplined manner going forward. Back to the origins, but explaining how that reflects and designs the future. Cool. I wanted to ask you, it's a bit of a change of pace, but like as you're talking about how the industry is changing and evolving, I know you have an opinion on this. So what do you think in general about short form and highlights as a driver for, for, for the industry? Like what does the rights holder need to do as they're building their strategy with, with their content and how they use it? Like I'm referring to like personalization, how do you monetize, how do you get to new audiences and all that? Like what's your take on that as a strategy? And perhaps maybe incorporating that also during the events themselves, live event, is that something that plays a role or do, uh, does the live event needs to stay? You mean real time? Yeah, real time, not just, not just short form highlights that are coming after, but how do you compound the, the engagement and excitement of the fans as, as they watch the, the game, perhaps? One of the points to, to reflect on is, you know, the, the history of, of the industry has been one where I feel people have been too relaxed, too comfortable with status quo. And going back to the, what we first said at the, at the top of this, challenging the status quo, what are the, some of the core principles that, that need to change in order for sport to really transform itself? And the, the history of, of comfort with the growth of, of pay TV, allowing sport to just get sort of fairly lazy on these vast regular income streams meant that there wasn't this necessity to reinvent. And I think one of the areas where I, where I often challenge our partners is to say, the best time to change is when things are good, when times are good. Fix the roof whilst the sun is shining, not, not when it's already starting to leak. And I, I think in a number of areas, there hasn't been that innovation, there hasn't been that change that has been needed in the good times. And it's only now that certain sports are trying to wake up and in some cases, are, are struggling. The benefit of today's environment is one where people are being forced to change because there, there is a polarization of, of spending. The overall size of the pie is increasing, I think, close to 60 billion in earnings for sports media as things stand in 23, and some growth over the coming years. But what we're seeing is the super prime properties are growing at a much greater rate than that. And that obviously means that others are missing out within the portfolio of assets that, that sport holds. So to answer your question, how, how does sport need to evolve and improve? And, and I believe it is extending the, the sort of peak value proposition outside of just that live window, which is driven in the high 90 percentiles of value creation through, through media primarily and extending beyond the window all the way through the rest of the time horizon you know, is, is clearly open for sport to, to use short form and, and non-live content. 
And for me, when you look at the, the platforms that are continuing to, to thrive, TikTok in particular, that is the perfect home for enormous growth for sport and sports operators. And, you know, looking to build value where audiences already exist. You guys know the stats, I've quoted them there a bit recently, but a billion plus active users on TikTok consuming over 90 minutes on average per day is an incredible statistic when the average length of content is, is 15 seconds or less. So start to do the maths there and, and you start to realize that there's an incredible volume of short form content that's being consumed and not enough of that is in sport, in my view. And when you start to realize, well, we need to, we need to convert audiences from where they're consuming their largest sources of media, then we need to lean in even more heavily into those platforms with content that is effective. And again, compared to many other media assets, sports content is absolutely primed for short form because they're not just the peak touchdowns, goals, tries, scores, you know, three pointers, whatever it may be. There's so much other material that you can just extract from the live sport and repurpose for a non-live window that can be incredibly valuable, but also everything in and around it, which I think, again, we haven't really attacked in, in a meaningful manner. So drawing fans who are otherwise distracted, otherwise not tuning into long form live as a call to action, creating material that builds fandom, whether it's uh, when Banyama in the NBA, you know, watching his highlights, watching his incredible moments and pushing that to fans of the cultural side of NBA or the cultural side of sport and just the, you know, the amazement of, of, of watching this seven foot four young French kid, you know, just destroy some of the, some of the established players in, in the NBA. You know, all of that is just incredibly exciting to, to watch and see. And putting that in front of young kids, putting that in front of non-basketball fans is a great vehicle and a great weapon to use to build fandom. And you can just extrapolate that across the whole spectrum of sporting assets. So I think there's an enormous opportunity there. And Aviv, me and you have spoken about things over the years. Eventually, we're going to be doing something in this space, which I think could be transformative. But I'll tell you more next time. Good reason to bring you up here again when we announce uh, something big. That sounds sounds really good. So I think it was really, really interesting to see your overall view, like hear a bit backwards on about how you think about this. Anything we can expect in 2024, like looking a bit forward that, that you can tell us, like think something big in the horizon or to, 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 uh, to leave us with? We've always got big things on the horizon. We're, we're going to continue to build out our business in football and, and there'll be some, I think, some transformative activity in that space in the coming weeks and months. I'm super excited about a new hire joining in three weeks' time that's going to be leading our brand partnership space. I, I want IMG to be, again, pioneering in that area because... From where I started, where you put a, a board in the background, I think there's still too much of that in sport. I think there are myriad ways we can create new forms of value for, for brands coming into sport and create real tangible return on investment for assets and properties, which I'd like to see transform the space. Those are two areas I'm really excited about. But 
I wake up every day thinking there's there's something incredible around the corner in, in what we're doing at IMG and, and, and what the industry is capable of. So I'll be front of the line to buy one of the Apple Vision Pro headsets. I've, I've been on record saying I think I think that can be transformative. It's it's not going to change the industry next year because I don't think they'll produce enough of them to have that impact. But I'm convinced that's going to revolutionize sports viewing and sports content. I want us to be at the the front of that queue, me personally, <laughs> to get a headset, but also us as a business supporting Apple as we're doing with our incredible production for MLS. That work is the beginning of, I think, an even bigger journey in that space. So, you know, that's going to happen at some point with the launch of that headset, probably first half of next year. I know they said early, early 24. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, I think there's there's plenty already in that in that short list. What about you guys? What what are you excited about for next year? We have some uh some new things that we're building and and wrapping up the launch process. It's going to come out in the next few months. Yeah, content that's not just the highlight itself like we're now expanding what we're looking at in in terms of autom- automating content creation and you also reference gener- generative AI which is a big area of investment. WC has been using AI and machine learning to, to create content for over a decade, but now capabilities of the technology has uh, significantly leaped and there's a bunch of really cool things coming. It's not a, an exhaustive uh, list of what's happening with us, what, what to expect, but uh, I think it's, a, it's enough for now and now many, many things to come. So Adam, it's been incredible and as always really uh, interesting to to hear you talk and describe what the industry should hear. So thank you for that and thank you for coming and and sharing that with us today. Yeah, it was great. Been a pleasure. Okay, Uh, Aviv, the show must go on and this was an amazing episode and I think uh, you said it as well during the conversation, but I think it's so exciting to see how much convergence and how much alignment there is between the way Adam looks at the industry and its future and what we're saying here internally and externally, actually, in our company and at WSC and how IMG is making it happen as a, as a, a big player in this industry. We're there for the ride and helping them and helping many other big organizations to make it happen. It's really exciting. What do you think? Yeah, IMG's been a great partner and we've been tackling these different challenges along the way for a while. I think there's a, if you look at it holistically from a bird's eye view, that there's so much more we can do. So this is really exciting. And Adam has always been a visionary in how to approach this. So as Adam said, they're they're in the background normally. So you need to be on the lookout to see what they've been what they've been up to and uh, excited to see what they, they come up with. Okay, it's been great. Great episode. Good to see you, Shaka. Till next time. Thanks to all of you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review or share the show with a friend. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so now so that you never miss a new episode. For your hosts, I am Shaka. And I am Aviv. We are the Arnon Brothers, and this has been Sports Content Kings by WSC Sports. Thank you all for joining and looking forward to seeing you here again.